0: Into KZCU Central, the relatively roundtable here on 90.1 FM, Stanford's radio station. We're on every Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. And um, I'm Darlene Franklin. We'll turn it over to your host, Ken Durr.
1: Thank you, Darlene. I'm Ken Durr. Coming up in this hour, Darlene asks you, what is your ideal housing situation? And of course, we have your news of the week. But first, we spotlight some of the most important community members here on the Stanford campus. Campus workers, represented by SEIU Local 2007, play an integral role in making Stanford run smoothly and efficiently, from maintenance to gardeners to dining hall workers and so much more. But with the cost of living sky-high here in the Bay Area, many have found it difficult to live and work here, and they hope to address these and other concerns in contract negotiations that began last week. Joining us live on the Relatively Roundtable are three such union members, here to talk about their experiences and the negotiations. Thank you so very much for coming in this afternoon. Let's start by introducing yourselves to our listeners. Uh, who are you? Uh, what's your position? How long have you been working here and anything else you want to say about yourself?
2: My name is Richard Petrone. I've been at Stanford for 22 years. I work for event services and we set up audio and video systems for classrooms and for conferences all over campus.
3: My name is Kevin Lordy, and I work here currently as a plumber and steam fitter, though I've worn many hats in my 38 years here. And currently, I'm in charge of uh, all of graduate housing, uh, or that's my area of responsibility. So those are the students I know the most about at the moment, as far as their housing needs.
4: Hi, everyone. My name is Lisa Zacharias. I am currently an accelerator system operator up at Slack, that very secretive place that is not actually that secretive. <laughs> um, if you ever want to come take a tour, just use my name. I can show you around. Um, I've been at Stanford for two years now, so I'm the newbie.
1: What does a typical work day look like for you? For me? Uh, all of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
4: well, it depends. Currently, we're shut down for construction. We're building our new accelerator. Um, our The machine that just went down was the Linac Coherent Light Source LCLS. Um, We are building LCLS 2 that's going to be bigger, faster, stronger, all that good stuff. Um, So currently, we're scrambling, trying to make that work. Um, A lot of us are doing a lot of different work for that. When we're running, we we have our hands on the knobs of the machine, making sure that the beam is delivered. Electrons are electronic and (laughs) generating photons and things for science.
3: For me, my workday consists of uh, going from apartment to apartment and trying to solve whatever problems happen to um, be bothering the students. But um, (laughs) right now in the graduate area, the the biggest new development is what they call EVGR, which are those new buildings that have been under construction for the last year or so. And it's going to be an extra 2,467 new apartments. So, uh, and which will all be occupied by graduate students.
2: And for me, typically, um, here at 6 a.m., we're setting up, uh, we're moving large equipment, uh, audio equipment, and projection equipment to different halls and classrooms around campus, and videotaping and making sure conferences go well and classes go well.
1: Right. Tell us a little bit about your experiences working here. Uh, are there pros and cons?
2: Well, it's always been a, a pro to work for Stanford, and and for many, many years, Stanford was the gold standard for benefits, and that's what attracted people here, because the pay was a little bit less than you can make elsewhere, but the benefits were what drew you here, and we always like working, all of our crew really likes working for a, a world-class university. And this this university, of course, is one of the premier universities in the, in the world, but unfortunately, it will not remain that way if... They don't, And if they don't allow us to have it, uh, the same benefits that, that competing peer institutions have, um, they're going to lose people. They're not going to be able to retain people, and they won't be able to attract people in the future if they don't have the same kinds of benefits as peer institutions like Harvard, Yale. And as far as...
3: It's been a pleasure working here for me. I'm hoping to get in forty years before I stop, but it's the passing of the baton, excuse me the passing of the baton for the institutional knowledge that I'm most concerned about right now because Stanford wages are not what they they're not as competitive as they used to be, and since there's so much construction going on on the outside right now, they're is heavy competition to pull talented people away from Stanford. So it's very hard to find skilled people that are willing to come here for the salaries that Stanford is currently offering, which makes it hard to pass on the knowledge that already exists here, on the local knowledge that already exists here on campus.
4: Yeah, for me, it's been really amazing being able to work for, I think what's important is that it is a non-profit research institution. Um, we get our hands on the knobs. We get to say that we're part of the machine generating like world-class science, and it feels amazing. Um, I know for me, though, being a woman of color, it, I'm a rarity in STEM, as most people can acknowledge. Um, so that has its own set of challenges that come with that. Um, sometimes the the culture of STEM has not been the friendliest, so part of what we're trying to do is make sure that the culture is inclusive for everybody, that it's fair treatment of everybody, especially of all of the female employees at Stanford and Slack.
1: Switching over to the topic of negotiations, what is SEIU 2007, and why is there a need for negotiations?
2: Well. You can point to the people who aren't organized into SEIU. There's thousands and thousands on campus, and typically they have no voice in their workplace. And they also get much smaller wage increases, and so they're well behind uh, the standard for the Bay Area. So the union helps us to maintain a a decent standard of living and represent us in any conflicts we have in our workplace, which is so important.
1: And in these negotiations, what are some of these issues that are being raised? Uh, have you yourself encountered any of these difficulties?
2: Well, one issue that seems to be coming up over and over, it came up five years ago when we had a contract, we've been fighting it ever since, is retirement health care. People who have worked here for 20, 30, even 40 years would like to retire. Uh, unfortunately, Stanford has changed the retirement health plan. They changed it in 2006. And right now, the day after you retire, your your premiums go up 400%, which makes it unaffordable. So a lot of people who thought they were going to retire and plan to retire can no longer retire because they can't afford the health benefit.
1: Do you have any stories of uh, any of your coworkers perhaps having difficulties with uh, the affordability here in the Bay Area?
3: Yeah. In my particular case, I, I work with a number of trade workers. And many of these workers are driving two and three and a few of them four hours each way to work to an eight-hour job that is very difficult for them to to keep their families sustained because they're gone for so many hours for one. And it has to do with just how much money – I mean there's there's this – uh technique called market basket analysis and Stanford just is not paying what those same people could get working outside of Stanford. But they like Stanford so they keep coming here but it's getting more and more difficult for them.
1: Ideally, you mentioned uh, retirement. What else are union members hoping to see in this new contract and what has been your vision?
2: One of the things we're looking for is in a, a better health plan. Um, what we have now is not sufficient. It's, it's too expensive. The co-pays are higher than everywhere else. It's twice what the co-pays are at, say, UC Berkeley. Um, and that's why we can't retain people and we can't attract new people. And this is true not just of our union members but also of faculty and the, and the rest of the staff, which, again, is the reason why we, uh, we fear that Stanford will no longer be a, a world-class university in the future because they won't be able to attract people.
1: You've been at the bargaining table for a little over a week now. Have there been any developments or updates?
2: Well, we finally got through the first part of it, and um, it took about two weeks, and it was um, a little bit tedious and and difficult, but I think we're we're on the right path, and and by next week we should be starting to discuss more substantive issues.
1: Okay, uh, for example... What are those issues that might be discussed?
2: Like every union, like every organization, including many of the teachers around the Bay Area, money is an issue, health care is an issue, retirement is an issue. Those are big issues.
1: And there was recently a, a, a debate over the confidentiality of, of these uh, negotiations. What was that about?
3: It turns out it the part that we already have behind us is what they call ground rules, and that was something that came up in going back and forth on the ground rules originally the university side of the table was asking for confidentiality but we have to we represent 1300 workers and we have to tell them what's going on at the table so luckily we reached some middle ground on that issue so there was give and take from both sides on setting up the ground rules
1: who's involved in this in the in the negotiations Which parties?
2: The university has a number of people from HR and and different departments around campus who represent their departments, and and HR represents the university in general. For our side, it's uh, our executive board, a number of stewards, and some people who have, uh, some of our workers who have uh, volunteered to be on the negotiating team.
1: And what's the timeline for the road ahead?
2: Contract runs out August 31st.
1: And what has been your response? What has been the response from the university so far?
2: So far, it's very preliminary, but we're hoping that uh, what we've experienced so far, which has been mostly positive, continues for the rest of the negotiation.
1: And do you see any obstacles down the road, perhaps, to getting that ideal contract?
2: I've been in three contracts now, and every single contract Sanford has pleaded poverty. Um, which is amazing since they have a $26.5 billion endowment. Um, So that is a roadblock.
1: How can other Stanford community members support you in this fight?
4: Probably visibility, I think, would be a big one. Um, It helps to show that people support us. So if people are willing to put their names out there to wear purple, to wear the stickers, um, to make signs... That would be really helpful for us.
3: We had a big event on May 1st, on May Day, and many students came out, both undergrad and graduate students. And uh, basically, the Stanford community helps us tremendously because Stanford has many, many employees, 14,000, I think. And if the Stanford community supports us, then our presence grows.
1: Are there upcoming inve- events in that regard for students like us to support you?
2: It's in the planning stage. We don't have anything definite as of yet, and we're still just beginning on uh, negotiations. But we will need student input and student support in order to be successful.
1: All right. Any other thoughts?
3: It was really fortunate and and gracious of you to have us on here. I I hope this relates to some of your listeners because um, we certainly need them uh, and we certainly hope we didn't bore them (laughs) by talking about this.
1: Do you have a final message to the university or to the bargaining?
2: We want this to be a world-class university. We want to support the students in every way we can, um, but we need some resources and Stanford needs to, to let's lose some of the resources they have in order to make that happen.
1: All right. Well, you've been listening to our Spotlight interview with Richard Petrone, Kevin Lurie, and Lisa Sicarius, three members of the SEIU Local 2007, about their experiences and the upcoming contract negotiations. Thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Thank,
3: Thank you, you, Ken. Thank
0: you. You're listening to KCSU Central, the Relatively Roundtable here at KTSU's student-run radio station. Um, Community members, students, so you're listening to 90.1 FM. We have more for you during this hour, so stay tuned. We're going to play some music. This actually, what you're hearing, is the Noriegas, which um, involves former general manager of the station and other former DJs. here at KZSU so um, we'll be right back after this (laughs) Come <laughs> Noriega's um, former KZSU DJs and our general manager here that's from their album uh, Play Zumba Remixes So, and I also have new music pulling it here from our A-file at the station here um, Panda Bear and this is album Boys and I'm going to play Token for you and then we'll come around with more news
5: From an automatic Smooth No jamming A slap on a jelly ass Don't you go
0: Panda Bear new music I also have here I'm pulling off uh, what I've liked off of our A-file here at KZSU this is um, new music from Cherry Glazer and the album is Stuffed and Ready I liked this one um, this track is Self-Explained it's a very like introverted uh, inner uh, experience someone's struggling to um, join the <laughs> social world outside so Um, relatable, especially that we're here in the basement when we're here at the radio station, so we end up feeling like sometimes we're in our own world and we love getting your text messages, so thanks uh, for sending them. You can send them at 855-723-9010. This is KCSU Stanford 90.1 FM. You're listening to KCSU Central, the Relatively Roundtable, and we're coming close to the end of the quarter, so... um, just playing some new music for you. So stay tuned. We'll be on till 6 p.m.
6: I started freaking the people I was playing.
0: To follow up with, if you have been listening to her shows in the past, The OCs, Castlemania, um, just want to follow this song up. I feel it fits. This is um, from The OCs. I won't hurt you.
4: And here
0: we go. <laughs> we're back. I hope you we both hope, uh, myself uh, Darlene and Ken, we both hope that you enjoy the music. We've been here and um, talking about the quarter and um, I know we are a live show. So uh, we have um, we got to talk to you on campus just a couple of hours ago. So you get a nice, um, almost live, (laughs) raw sound experience of what it's like on campus today. It's a beautiful day. We hope all of you out there in the Bay Area and on campus and wherever you are um, in the world, I hope we hope that you're having a good day and enjoying it. So um, the question of the week was, what's your ideal housing situation in the Bay Area and in many places and on campus here? Um, I feel that, and many of you <laughs> seem to, that um, you know, housing is a big part of our lives and how do we come up with a way to um, have a lifestyle that and a place that supports us to have that lifestyle? Sorry, I ran, I've been running around today. So here we go with the box flaps. Thanks to everyone who, who shared your thoughts.
7: Well, I live in a large property now with a lot of uh, property to take care of, and after 30 years, I'm tired of doing that, so a condo would be very appealing, preferably on a golf course. Yeah, that would be nice.
0: If you were to describe what it's like to be um, a homeowner of a large property, um, the details, because I know a lot of people are surprised by the Also, because of the options now, I think it'd be interesting for um, people to hear about, about that and how you prefer a condo at this point, for different reasons, maybe location too.
7: I think people in my generation, that was very common, and it was like what your parents did, and they fell right into it. And so, like my folks, It was important for me to have home ownership, so I had home ownership when I was in my 20s. After a period of years, though, you become um, just indentured to your your property because it does require a lot of work. So you work all week long, and then on Saturday and, well, maybe part of Sunday, you work on your property to make it or keep it looking decent, or you pay people to take care of it. And if you choose not to do that, then, well, you do all that yourself. So it's a lot of work. And after a period of years and raising a family, it's like, well, I don't need all this anymore. So I guess you might say that I'm an empty nester looking to downsize. Now, interestingly, the millennial generation, they're happy to put all this off and kick it down the road. That's fine. Like my daughter, I don't know, she's 28, almost 29. Doesn't own any property yet, but doesn't seem to really have any interest in it.
0: What does she say about it to you Um, as for her interests and what...
7: I just think their priorities are different. Their priorities are way different. They enjoy their time.
8: I grew up in a pretty suburban town in New Jersey, and I really enjoyed, I guess, my lifestyle. Um, Hanging out with friends in our front yard and biking down the street is a pretty safe community. Um, I think in the future, maybe when I have a family, I'd like to live in a safe community where neighbors are nice and you're hanging out with other fellow parents and my kids are hanging out with other kids in the neighborhood.
0: How does it compare to what you have now at this, in this point in your life? Like you're to com- make a comparison. Um,
8: so I live, I'm a senior on the row right now and my house is pretty small, 34 people. Um, I don't, I mean, we, we have a bunch of fun, um, but I'd, I'd say like interaction between houses is kind of minimal unless there's like a event or something that combines both houses. But I think we have a lot of community internally. Um, so, so that kind of contrasts to what I said before.
0: So you like the idea of neighbors knowing each other too? So.
8: Yeah, yeah.
9: I think I think that'd be nice.
5: That's
10: <laughs> All right, I got my <laughs>
9: so I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin, very cold, very snowy. So I think my ideal place is a nice, cool suburb in uh, San Diego. Where, you know, five minutes from the beach, sunshine all year round, it's hard to beat that in my opinion.
0: What do you imagine when you see that in your, if you see that in your mind's eye?
9: Yeah, I mean, I'll come outside with my basketball shorts and a t-shirt, hopefully have a couple little kids running around, and I can just sit down in a nice lawn chair and look at the sunset with, like, my son or daughter on my lap.
0: How, yeah, how does that compare to what you have now and or things that remind you of like, oh yeah, this is this, I like this, and I want this in my future too.
9: I mean, the weather right now is pretty nice, I would say, uh, but it's still just a little colder than I would hope for. Um, all in all, I can't complain too much about my housing here. I live on the row because uh, I'm a senior, and I mean, it's just gorgeous out here, much, much better than the Midwest for sure, in my opinion. in terms of weather at least.
0: Any last thoughts. <laughs>
9: Yeah, that's that's all I have.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, I love asking. It just feels so good. <laughs> oh, um, I'm part of Stanford Radio, and <laughs> I, I do an anonymous sound collage and response every week to sound that uh, on Fridays. And um, I, the question of this week is, if you want to answer. Oh no, it's okay. not. <laughs> um, like, what's your ideal housing situation? Housing situation, Mama? What
10: well, does it matter that I'm not a student? Um, what's my ideal housing situation? Um, like, at least two bathrooms.
0: <laughs> oh, so a shared house too? Is um, that-
10: no, just a house with two, at least two
0: bath- two or more bathrooms. <laughs> Ooh, can you
10: describe? <laughs> You know, so like if you have like guests over then you're not like you know having to wait for like the shower you know if you have somewhere to go early in the morning or whatever and like
0: so there's just like everyone can have their own space <laughs> <That's incredible. laughs> and then guests you mentioned so you you'd imagine having people over and or if you to describe yeah this is kind of ideal housing like life with your, like how would it house your you know the lifestyle of you?
10: Like, the ideal housing would have to be, like, bigger than my apartment, which is, like, I don't know, 650 square feet, which, like, at the point in my life where, like, I want something that's, like, double that size. <laughs> so, like, that involves, like, two or more bathrooms, you know, maybe, like, a really big bedroom, maybe, like, a guest bedroom. I don't know.
0: What would you do in your space? Like, why? What's the difference between a, a public space or what you have, and then this ideal space?
10: Uh, the ideals? I don't know. It would just be like <laughs> more rooms for like relaxation.
0: <laughs> I'm so I want to see what's in your like mind's eye.
10: <laughs> I don't know. Let's like walk through Atherton or Palo Alto, and then oh will God, be like,
11: that's there. where i it know, will be.
0: there's... <laughs>
10: Is this going to be live? <laughs> no. It's always fun. I love, it's
0: just like everyone, it's like similar and different at the same time. Yeah. It's just
10: really fun. Um, you know, the, like you didn't ask me about location. Location would be like, you know, where I can see like both um, either the sunset or sunrise and also hear the water. So it'd be like oceanfront.
0: front. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel what you're describing. It's nice. Cool. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And yet, Larry, last thoughts. Okay.
10: Um, no, this would be the perfect weather we're having right now. That's, that would be like the ideal living situation where year-round weather like this, you
0: know, mid-70s. Oh, I guess what's what's preventing, of course, I. these are obvious things, but as a time capsule kind of thing, um, what's preventing you from... Finding or getting this space, of course, <laughs> are the obvious answer. <laughs> um, not getting paid enough. <laughs> my current job
10: <laughs> is like the major factor. Um, also, student loans.
0: <laughs> yeah, these are these. This is the reality of our time. So yeah, thanks for sharing. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.
12: Um, my ideal. I'm an artist, so ideally, I live where I make my art but maybe not in the same space that my actual living happens. Um, um, definitely really situated in like outdoor sort of landscape. I, I, hate, I hate the idea of like being in an apartment building or, you know, sort of concrete jungle. Even though I love being in the city, I just don't want to live like that as immediately in it. So, you know, stepping out onto the ground, uh, being able to open my windows and like see a tree, and hear birds and feel the sun that's ideal um close to food like late night food especially um healthy preferably uh but a little bit of junk here and there yeah. um but overall just you know not too spread out like i don't like the suburbs either because that's it's harder and on the one hand it's easy to know people but it, it can eat if you don't then you can feel really isolated so, like, a half-suburban city-type location would be, I think, ideal. Yeah.
0: Um, how does it compare to your current living situation now?
12: Um, my current living situation over an EV, I live in an apartment building, and I know two people in that building, and I've spent zero time with any of the people in that building. But that's also because I live with my partner, so neither of us are, like maybe looking to meet people outside of ourselves um um yeah and then it's you know it it it's not a place that makes me want to like own it or i like get too comfortable so we haven't done too much to the place maybe that's also a chicken and the egg thing right like if we had done a lot to the place then maybe it does feel better but i don't necessarily feel like oh this is somewhere i want to set my roots down or like make it cozy because they also told us we're gonna get one year of eligibility so I know I'm on the way out soon, anyway so you know like going in with a particular mindset makes it feel very transitory and not like a home yeah Um, and then it's just noisy as hell I live between both construction sites Uh, can never get a good spot to park my bike it's very dusty so I like it's convenience but I'm not mad I'm getting out I think yeah
0: what are you looking at afterwards? Where do you think you will you might be, or what you, will you search for? Uh,
12: to what I can afford and what I can get my hands on, basically. But, I, yeah, I mean, I have one more year, so ideally you get to live in the city and then come down here for business, right? But that's not going to work, so we have to live somewhere close to campus. I don't have a car, so some walking, biking distance-ish. You know, like it's... think convenience is going to be the major factor, Um, but as close to campus as possible without, like, having to donate organs, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Or sell them, rather. Yeah.
0: And what kind of art um, do you do? Does it take a lot of space, or do you need an outdoor space?
12: Yeah, I I do need a lot of wall space, which is, like, the most limited thing, I think, in this area. Um, I need storage space because I collect a lot of objects to then use in artwork so it's semi-sculptural mostly flat on a wall though um so yeah it just I need I need a place where I can get messy without consequences especially on a wall like two big walls and that I feel like I'm not going to find that anywhere here the nice thing is I have a studio because I'm in the program um but it also means I have to like drag everything i want in my studio by bike from everywhere else i can't just like start stuff at home and bring it with me or you know so yeah yeah it's uh it's very limited in that way
0: well yeah it's a lot of logistics and it it takes a lot of it distracts it's a distraction from what you know you want to do yeah, I hope you find the uh, something that suits you, and so that you know you can, you know, share your light with the world and not be limited by these issues that, like, so many people have, we have to navigate through.
12: Oh, and I also I need a better kitchen. Oh my God, I hate small countertops and like crappy shelving. Like, I. Just, well, that's a whole different story. But yes. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much Yeah, relatable I, I think people will be listening and thinking like Oh, yes,
13: me too Yeah, thank you uh, I'd like to live in a single But somewhere where there's a strong community um, I think those are the two most important things for me Like having my own space So having a single um, But also having community and being able to go out And just like talk to people that I know are going be to there, be there And that I know that I'll know how does it compare to what you have now? um right now I have a two room double, which is pretty good, so my room is pretty spacious and um I, re- I feel like I have my own space, so it's not that different from having a single uh but there's not a there's not a strong community where I live right now, so but it's fine uh i I just bring friends over, but it would be good if um like there was a community where I lived so that it was more than just um somewhere where I dwell. Does the space,
0: is it, um, how is it bringing others over? Does it kind of, does it support that, the way it's
13: kind of set up or designed right now? Um, I would say so. I would say so. Um, I mean, obviously, we're college students, so we go to bed pretty late, so, like, quiet hours are not necessarily, <laughs> but, you know, but from that, yeah.
0: Uh, and then, um, do you think that others want this too, even though,
13: is it, what's, what do you think the reason is that, um communities can be difficult to um i'm a sophomore right now and i think it's because a lot of people make their friends in freshman year and like so did i and so once you move on to housing in your next years you don't necessarily look for that community because you've already found yours so the desire to find your community is not as present which means that people are not going to be as eager to go out and socialize they're just going to be like oh i have my friends out there i'll just go and meet them
0: Yeah. yeah what's the idea what if if maybe for you could see everyone kind of alter their
13: behavior or something and then what would that look like if like this weekend like that happened Mm, okay so that would look like just being able to just like having people out in the hallway talking and saying hi to everyone and like being able to just like Last year in my freshman dorm, people just like stormed into my room sometimes because like we were all very close and like that would be something that I think would be pretty cool. Just feeling like you okay, live with like not a family but kind of like a family, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I like that. That I too. <laughs> so yeah. Anything else? Anything else? Uh, not that I can think of right now. But thank you. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you. Have a nice day. <laughs> you t- you're tuned into to Stanford
0: 90.1 FM. We are KZU Central, the Relatively Roundtable. I'm Darlene Franklin.
1: And I'm Ken Durr.
0: We'd like you to have a wonderful weekend. Thank you all for listening and for your text messages. And we're going to bring you right into baseball, Stanford versus Arizona State. So um, have a great weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.